The late Archbishop Fulton Sheen is not only a regular fixture on the Salt and Light broadcast schedule, but an inspiration to all of us here at Salt and Light. Archbishop Sheen was way ahead of his time when he went on TV and radio to teach the faith in a way that viewers of his day could relate. So it's no wonder that there is a movement to have him beatified. The diocesan phase of the cause, the phase in which officials in his home diocese meet with people who knew him or who were touched by his work and gather evidence to show that he lived a life of heroic virtues, was closed in 2008, and the related documents were sent to the Vatican. The Archbishop Fulton Sheen Foundation recently made it known that there is a possible miracle to support Archbishop Sheen's cause. That cause is being studied in Rome. The mother of the little boy, who is believed to have been healed through Sheen's intercession, posted on her blog a message sent to her by the Fulton Sheen Foundation saying that a committee of bishops and archbishops at the Vatican's Congregation for the Causes of Saints will be reviewing the materials regarding Archbishop Sheen's life. If the Vatican Committee finds that Archbishop Sheen lived a life of heroic virtues, he could be declared venerable. Then, the Vatican would look at the alleged miracle and determine whether it was indeed a miracle and whether it can be attributed to Archbishop Sheen's intercession. So way to go, Archbishop Sheen. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is the Salt and Light Radio Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Radio Hour. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today we will be speaking about healing from childhood sexual abuse. And we'll be meeting a new singer-songwriter to Salt and Light, Mike Mangione, who's on tour with Christopher West. And we also have our regular contributors, Andrew Santos, with his Saint of the Week and Sheridan with our diocesan update. But first, here's our news uh, producer, Chris Dimitrenko. So, Chris, what's in our headlines today? Well, the Pope has decided to do something about the leaks coming out oh. of the Vatican. Good. So we're going to tell you about his plan to stop those leaks, yeah. to find out who's responsible. Um, also, a church leader is speaking out about Guantanamo Bay, and that's something that's been in the news here in Canada. There's a Canadian connection to Guantanamo Bay. Um, and also, personhood is being debated in Canada. Finally, the question of uh, who is a person? When does when does someone become a person? Yeah, no, that's good. I uh, did an opening commentary on that a, a few weeks ago. I think it, it re-aired last week. So I'm looking forward to following that debate. Mm -hmm. um, all that's coming up, details on all those stories. But we always start with a song. So here is our featured band, Mike Mangione and the Union, with their song, Fields of Evermore. Lonely is the shadow lit by the moon Heavy is the burden that comes too soon. I feel so hot and heavy, I'm filled with stone. I'm gonna work the land of my father until the seed has been sown. Get behind the plow Mercy Come and hold 
hold me now You get behind the plow Mercy, mercy, hold on We get behind We get behind We get behind The fields of evermore And my heart from pain When the bundle falls We burn them all To refine that yield again My cracked hand holds the rhythm And I walk the furrow with an offering And I can wash my hands To often boys on account of the burning sting But I'm gonna make it rain somehow Gonna make you raise a mound on the fields of evermore. Mercy, come and hold me now. We get behind the plow. Mercy, come and hold me now. You get behind the plow. Mercy, mercy, hold on. We get behind. We get behind. We get behind. Fields of evermore, I said. Mercy, come hold me now. You get behind the plow. Mercy, come and hold me now. You get behind the plow. Mercy, mercy, hold on. We get behind. We get behind. We get behind. Fields of evermore. Mike Mangione and the Union with Fields of Evermore. Coming up is Andrew Santos with our Saint of the Week, but Chris is still here with our news. So uh, the Pope is doing something about fatty leaks. Yes, uh, the leaks coming from the Vatican. Now, the flow of documents, it seems to have stopped, or at least the real interest mm -hmm. in the media has. Now, ultimately, the leaks that came out of the Vatican that made headlines uh, a few weeks ago didn't really reveal any dark secrets, just some nasty internal feuds within the Roman Curia. Yep. And most believe that they were coming from within the Secretariat of State, which is one of the main departments uh, within the Vatican that deals with uh, many different areas of diplomacy. That's just one of the areas. And uh, the, the leaks were meant to embarrass the Secretary of State, the person in charge of that department, Cardinal Tarcisio Bertone. Now, um, they did compromise the sense that sensitive information would remain confidential and of course uh, the Vatican being a major player in international diplomacy um, other nations need to know that you know their information will be kept secret uh, well the Pope has had enough and he's ordered a commission and it's headed by Colonel Julian Herrans who is a Spanish Cardinal uh, used to be the president of the Pontifical Council for legislative text and now um, he's got uh, two other Cardinals helping him uh, and presumably uh, um, a team that's going to, to help them sift through 
and try to find out who the sources of these leaks are. And one wonders if we'll ever find out who they are and uh, if they will publicize Exactly. Um, yeah. Who was responsible for it, or maybe, maybe or maybe it will leak. Maybe it will leak. That's right. Absolutely. Now, um, Guantanamo Bay, uh, the detention center um, just off Cuba, um, for um, non-American combatants who have been captured in the war on terror. Yeah. Now it's often in the news here in Canada because one of our own Omar Cotter yes. is his name. Uh, he remains incarcerated there. He was a child soldier convicted of murder in the United States, um, murdered a soldier in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan but convicted he was convicted by a U.S. military court. Now, reports say that the U.S. is eager to transfer him to a Canadian yes. prison. So, well, what does the church think about this controversial facility? Well, an archbishop in El Salvador, he's speaking out against Guantanamo. Um, according to Zenit News Agency, Archbishop Jose Luis Escobar of San Salvador mm-hmm. is advocating for its closure. And he's also backing the asylum that the Salvadorian government gave to two former inmates. And the Zenit story didn't say who those inmates were, so I looked it up, and there were two uh, people who are Uyghurs, which is a, an ethnic minority right. in China. They're a Muslim minority group, and they were arrested at a camp in the mountains of Afghanistan but they were never charged. Now the Uyghurs, because they're a minority group in China, um, the United States won't release them to China because they fear that they're going to be persecuted. So where do they go? Well, um, El Salvador has accepted them. Wow. Yeah, so interesting uh, story there. Now finally, personhood. Now um, I know you mentioned at the top of the program that you mentioned this this story a few weeks ago at Salt and Light Radio, but for those who aren't familiar with it, just some background being a pro-lifer in Canada can be discouraging because no one wants to talk about the issue of rights for the unborn Mm -hmm. particularly politicians but in February a conservative MP member of parliament named Stephen Woodworth uh, from Kitchener Centre which is in southern Ontario he proposed something called motion 312 and it calls for the formation of a special committee to determine when the unborn should be given human rights because right now they have no rights, the unborn, uh, until complete birth. And uh, the MP Woodworth, he argues that um, this is based on medical science from 400 years ago, the laws that we have now, or the lack of laws rather, uh, before we really knew about development of children in the womb. So now we know so much about how how they have developed. And so surely our laws should reflect that. This is his argument. Now it's a courageous stand because the head of his party, who is the Prime Minister of Canada, Stephen Harper, is pledged not to open the <laughs> issue uh, of abortion. And this um, this motion doesn't directly speak to abortion, but obviously has implications for abortion. Absolutely. And if you want to find out more about the campaign, there's some resources at notyetborn.wordpress.com. Once again, that's notyetborn.wordpress.com. That's good. Thank you. In fact, uh, uh, last week on Tuesday, I published a blog, and all that information is there. So if people are still trying to find what that website is, it's uh, on our saltandlighttv.org slash blog. That's I right. I wrote a blog about personhood 
Um, yeah, it was debated on on the twenty sixth for mm -hmm. an hour, and, mm -hmm. and that they're scheduled for another debate uh, in the spring, in the fall. Maybe I heard spring, and then I heard fall. So I'm not sure. They tend to move things uh, in Parliament uh, a lot. And you know, pro-lifers, pro uh, you know, naturally grown a l maybe a little bit pessimistic because we haven't had a lot of good news. But at least people are talking about. That's it. That's what I'm saying. That the mm -hmm. that even if this motion does not get approved or anything, at least it got debated. Yeah. And that means that people got to talk about this for an hour or two. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much. Chris Dimitrenko, our salt and light radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley from Windows to the Soul, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Father Tom Rosica. He's going to be telling us about the Good Shepherd with his reflection for the fourth week in Easter. But before that, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Good, good, good. Happy Easter, I guess. It's the same to you. We can still celebrate for six weeks. Yes. Here's the thing. I was uh, uh, ranting in the office for a little bit, and I was like, Sheridan, who should be the Saint of the Week? Okay. And we spoke about it, and... We thought Saint Louis Grignon de Montfort is the best okay. candidate for this week's okay. Saint segment. So okay, tell us all about him. He was born poor on January the 31st, 1673 in the town of um, Montfort-la-Cannes in Brittany, France. Mm -hmm. So he went on to study in Paris and was ordained a priest in the year 1700. From his childhood, he, uh, we know that he was very devoted to prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. At the age of 12, he was sent to a Jesuit college. And even at the college, uh, Pedro, he never failed to visit the church before and after class. So he made that a uh, priority. While a seminarian, we know that he enjoyed researching the writings of church fathers, of the doctors and saints, as they related to the Blessed Virgin Mary, because he had a, a very special devotion to Mary. Mm -hmm. Under Mary's inspiration, he founded, I don't know if you know this, but the Congregation of the Daughters of Divine Wisdom. It's a religious institute of women devoted to the care of the destitute. So during this work, uh, he began his ministry of preaching the rosary and, you know, coming to understand and teach about authentic Marian devotion. Mm -hmm. He preached so he preached so faithfully and forcefully um, that he was actually expelled from several dioceses in France. In Rome, um, the Pope at the time, Pope Clement, uh, the 11th, gave him the title and authority of missionary apostolic. So basically, it allowed him to continue his ministry after returning to France. Hmm. So he preached Mary everywhere and to everyone, and um, he was one of the greatest apostles of the Rosary in yes. his day. And by means of his uh, inspiring book that he wrote called The Secret of the Rosary. Right. Uh, his greatest contribution to the church in the world was his total consecration to the Blessed Virgin. Mm -hmm. Um, his spirituality has been um, like brought to life by millions of people around the world, especially by Pope John Paul II, Blessed John Paul, um, who has consecrated not only himself, yeah. but every place he has visited yes. as Pope. Yeah. In true devotion to Mary, St. Louis prophesied that the army of souls consecrated to Mary will be her instrument in defeating the devil and the Antichrist. Hmm. As Satan gains power in the world, so much more shall the new Eve triumph over him and crush his head. Quickly, he died on April 28th, today. Yes. Um, we celebrate his feast day today. 
He died in Saint-Laurent-sur-Sauvre in France, uh, just of natural causes. He was venerated on the 29th of September in the year 1869 by Pope Blessed Pius on a degree of heroic virtues. Then, in 1888, was beatified by Pope Leo XIII mm -hmm. and canonized by Pope Pius XII in 1947. So, right now, um, the cause for his declaration as a doctor of the church oh, okay. yeah, is now being investigated okay. by, uh, interesting. by the dicasteries, I guess, yeah. at the Vatican. Yeah, interesting. So good. Which is good. St. Louis Grignon de Montfort. Yeah, St. Louis Pray de Montfort. That's what a lot of people... I, I, I know he... I mean, the famous uh, consecration to Mary. Yes. Uh, it, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful prayer and beautiful consecration. A lot of, a lot of people uh, are uh, into that. Thank you very much. Feast day today, St. Louis de Montfort and Andrew Santos our saint expert in about five minutes what's happening across our country with sheridan so stay tuned hi my name is ralph martin president of renewal ministries and you're listening to salt and light radio what have we heard and seen these past weeks about the resurrection of jesus christ how can we describe it we talk about it as the new creation, the great feast, the ark come through the flood, a rich pasture, a lover's garden, the eternal palace, the heavenly temple, the city that has awaited our return for years, the new and eternal Jerusalem. Resurrected life, then, means to be baptized and recreated in Jesus, to come to the table, to survive the flood, to hear the voice of the shepherd, to be the beloved of God, to be heir to the throne and priest to the temple and citizen of this new spirit-formed city. On the fourth Sunday of Easter, traditionally called Good Shepherd Sunday, we go one step further and we look at Jesus as the Good Shepherd, the Risen One who journeys with us, who walks with us, who carries us on his shoulders as the shepherd carries that lost lamb on his shoulders. Jesus relies on one of his favorite images of shepherd to tell us that we can place our confidence in him as the risen Lord. Tending flocks and herds is an important part of Palestinian economy in biblical times. In the Old Testament, God is called the shepherd of Israel who goes before the flock, he guides it, leads it to food and water, protects it, and carries its young in his arms. Embedded in the living piety of believers, the metaphor of the Good Shepherd brings out the fact that the entire people is cherished and sheltered and protected by God. The New Testament does not judge shepherds adversely. They know their sheep, seek lost sheep, and hazard their lives for their sheep. The shepherd is a figure for God himself. Jesus knew shepherds and had much sympathy for their lot. The New Testament never calls God a shepherd, and only in the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15 and Matthew chapter 18 does the comparison ever occur. Here, God, like the rejoicing shepherd of the parable, takes joy in the forgiveness and the restoration of the sinner. The choice of the image reflects vividly the contrast between Jesus' love for sinners and the Pharisees' contempt for them. In fact, it can be said 
that the Emmaus story, which we heard last Sunday, is a continuation of Jesus' mission, his pursuit of wayward disciples, which was already prefigured by the parable of the shepherd who went in search of the lost sheep until he found them and returned them to the fold. The beloved shepherd metaphor provides us with one of the most powerful and beautiful metaphors in the Bible. Our God and his son are shepherds that care for us and know us and love us, even in our stubbornness, our deafness, and our diffidence. Anthropologists tell us that between the hunting and farming stages of cultural development, shepherds stood as people who existed in both worlds and tied them together. For that reason, shepherds appear in ancient myths and sagas as a symbol for the divine unity of opposites. What the ancient pagans hinted at the Christian faith has brought into a deep, crisp reality in Christ, who is the great reconciler of humanity. He is the Good Shepherd, who has come into the center of every great conflict in order to establish unity and peace. John's Gospel expression of Jesus as the Good Shepherd invites us to look carefully at the Greek meaning of the word we have often translated simply as good. In fact, the expression in the Greek New Testament is really the beautiful shepherd or the noble shepherd and not simply the good shepherd because the outward beauty and nobility of the shepherd are inward realities of beauty and nobility that lie within. Today, may Jesus our good shepherd guide us into those verdant pastures of peace and joy. When we follow the risen Lord, and listen to his voice, we are assured that goodness and kindness shall follow us all the days of our lives. Jesus the Good Shepherd embraces us, loves us, and leads us home. Hi, I'm Christian Matrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or also off iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with her diocesan update. Hi, everyone. I just came back from World Catholicism Week hosted by DePaul University in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yes. Yeah. And the theme for this year's conference was Real Presences. Eucharist, Society, and Global Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting. Some of the speakers included Profs from DePaul, but they also um, had Maria Clara Bingamer of the Pontifical Catholic University of Rio de Janeiro uh -huh. as one of the speakers. Um, Francis Cardinal George was there, Archbishop nice. of Chicago. Um, Emmanuel Cotangole from Duke Divinity School. Just, uh, just an all-star lineup yeah, yeah. of people. And they also had talks for students that focused on how do I work Catholic spirituality into my schedule because you know we all have these uh -huh, crazy uh -huh. schedules yeah, how do you make time for God students, yeah. yeah so um, and what was really cool was Father Thomas Rizika our CEO yep. uh, was there he gave the keynote address and he joins a very uh, interesting lineup of people who have done these keynote addresses at um, at DePaul. Last year's keynote was Vaticanista John Allen. So oh, good. Yeah, joined so. some pretty cool ranks. 
Um, it was, I mean, just such a great experience, and I really recommend that people check this out next year at DePaul University, uh, and of course, Chicago is a great town, so. Good, okay, so especially if you're in that. Chicago, but if you're not in Chicago, drive over there, DePaul University. It happens around the same time every year in the spring? Yeah, so, yeah. In April, keep so on they checking. should look it up. Yeah, look okay. it up. And, and we'll mention it as we approach those dates, too. Yes, great. And so, on other fronts, here in Toronto, the Toronto Sodality of the Anglican Use announces that they'll be celebrating weekly Masses according to Anglican use, okay. starting on Sunday, May the 6th, and Mass will be held every Sunday at 1.45 p.m. at Sacre Coeur, which is the Church of the Sacred Heart yeah. in downtown Toronto. Uh -huh. So just to give you some background on this, if you're unfamiliar with Anglicanorum Charitabus, basically the group of Anglicans who wanted to become Catholic, yes, but they didn't want to lose their rich cultural yes, tradition because the yeah. Anglican Church is, is ancient, yes. you know? So um, what they did was they petitioned the Holy Father to become Catholic without losing uh -huh. their traditions. And the Holy Father agreed to this. Yes. And so now we have an Anglican use mass. Yeah, like a, like a, a yeah. like an ordinary. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it's very similar to sort of like the relationship that the Ukrainian Catholic Church has. Yes. They, they're in communion with Rome, but they have their own practices. Their own rites. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. So personally, I love attending different types of masses. I mean, to me, it just reflects the, the rich diversity mm -hmm. of the church. It'd be interesting to go. Check yeah, it yeah, and I, I want to go check this out. So I'm definitely going to go. Um, and I just think it's such a great way to keep perspective on things. Mm -hmm. So to recap, the Toronto Anglican Youth Sodality is a group of Catholic coming uh, from the Anglican tradition, but they're in full communion with the Pope. So it's a Catholic Mass, it's just in the Anglican tradition. Exactly. Uh -huh. And so just in case you're wondering, yes, these Masses fulfill the Sunday obligation for all Catholics, regardless of whether or not you're an Anglican. And it's once a week, you don't know the, like, which Mass, people have to go to the Sacred Heart website yes, to figure it out. exactly, okay. yeah. So what will happen is, you can actually just check out at torontoordinariate.wordpress.com that is their website, so check and keep updated with stuff there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so now we're going to go to the other side of the country, uh, Vancouver, to Vancouver, yeah. British Columbia. The play Damien is coming to St. Mary's Chilliwack. Nice. And uh, yeah, what's really cool is it's a play written by American playwright Aldous Morris, uh -huh. but it will be performed by Father Edward Ivanko, who is a former actor and singer, and now he's an ordained Ukrainian uh, Catholic priest. So that's going to be on Thursday, May the 10th, in just over a week and a half. Yep. And at 7 p.m. at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Chilliwack, and it's a fundraiser for St. Anthony's and uh, just to give you a sense of background on this um, the story is about Father Damien the priest who ministered to the lampers of Molokai in Hawaii mm -hmm. and that was in the mid 1800s and uh, he was recently beatified by in 1995 by Blessed John Paul II and then was canonized in 2009 by Pope Benedict the 16th so tickets are available and you can check that out uh, on the Archdiocese of Vancouver's website but you can also call Wayne at 1-778-878-0665 okay good it's a great play it's a one-man show I've seen it so it's it's good stuff yeah so last thing everybody check us out on Facebook if you want to stay up to date with everything that we're doing visit facebook.com slash salt and light a-n-d-l-i-g-h-t tv uh -huh. uh, we've got albums inspirational quotes a daily dose of catholic buzz and our, our perspectives daily videos so stay tuned with us we'll come to you if you like us yeah absolutely and we actually are posting salt and light radio uh, programs right on that facebook page so again spell it all out s-a-l-t-a-n-d-l-i-g-h 
TTV, Salt and Light TV. Thank you very much, Sheridan. Sorry you ran out of time, but there's lots of time. There will be other shows to talk about other events. Um, coming up in our second half hour, a conversation with childhood sexual abuse survivor Dana Doyle and a featured chat with Mike Mangione of The Union. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to part two of the Salt and Light Radio Hour. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, there are so many studies and books and much research and opinion on the effects of childhood sexual abuse. And many of them deal with healing. Sadly, there is not much more that we can do after abuse than to forgive and to work and hope towards healing. And Hope for Healing is the title of a new book by Dana Doyle. And Dana joins me now on the phone. Dana, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. Now, you say that the book is is different, and again, I don't want to kind of compare it with other books on the same subject, but it's different because it does not quote statistics or discuss different types of therapies, or it's not about that. Why did you choose to write the book the way you did? Um, when I began my own healing journey about 20-some-odd years ago, you know, people gave me a lot of advice. I I went to psychotherapy, books were recommended, um, but I just kind of felt like a lot of those um, statistics and talks about different kinds of therapy and everything, it was interesting, but it wasn't very helpful to me personally. So my idea was to write a survivor-to-survivor guide right? and kind of looking back on my own journey, what are the things that helped me the most? Um, you know, made the journey as mm-hmm. long as it might be a little easier, a little more comfortable. Right. So I, I was writing that in hopes of helping other people who have experienced um, sexual abuse as a child or or even other childhood traumas. Right, yeah. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, in a way, I can see why someone would, you know, they, 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 they'd be drawn to the book because it is very much a peer-to-peer book. This is you're not, uh, I'm not going to say you're not an expert, but you're not an expert in the, in the sense that you didn't go and, you know, become a psychotherapist or anything, but you, you've, this is your experience, but you're not dwelling on what happened to you. You're dwelling on how you healed from it. Exactly. I do, I think, dedicate one chapter to my own personal story. Yes. The first chapter, you know, just to kind of, I guess, validify me as, not a professional expert. I'm a teacher by uh, profession. Yes. But, um, you know, to give what I said some validity. But I really didn't want to dwell on the negative or, you know, the painful aspects. Everybody, you know, who's been through it has their story. Um, but I felt it would be more helpful to focus on the things that can kind of help you get started, go in the right direction, and, and like I yeah. said, make that healing journey a, a little easier. Yeah, it's true. Now, um, just maybe to back up, because, and again, if people want to read the book because they want details of what happened to you, they're not going to find it because that's not what the book is about. And I think that, <laughs> n- 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 but I don't want to discourage people from getting the book, <laughs> but there might be some confusion as to exactly what is abuse. And I've heard different, you know, th- does it Im- does it have to involve touch or not touch? What makes it sexual or not sexual? Can you maybe give a little definition as to how you would describe or how would you define 
sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. Um, sexual abuse, I, I guess I'm speaking about children because yes. I was a child when it happened to me, um, is, is any kind of speaking about things that are sexually inappropriate um, to a child, things that, you know, they're too young to handle, too, too um, immature to, or too innocent to know about. Yes. And rightfully so. Um, it would also involve touching um, private places. It would, um, you know, could also include an, an act of intercourse or of rape. Yeah, of course. So it is kind of a broad, you know, there's a broad spectrum, and some people have had different degrees of that happen to right. them. And, uh, but regardless, it's, it's all traumatic. <laughs> and I'd say that even for victims that they might even think, and I don't know if this was your case, but that they might even think, well, I was not a victim because um, because he didn't touch me. He just, you know, showed me pictures or whatever, you know, and they might not see themselves as a victim. So I think it's important to define it the way you have. That right. It's, you know, um, right. d d does it have to be, does the perpetrator have to be someone who is older or in a position of power for it to constitute abuse? You know, um, I, I don't know if I have the answer to that. Um, okay. I know it would be any situation, whether it be a same age person or an older person, where um, the victim is being, um, let's say, I should say the perpetrator is exercising um, power over, right. you know, the victim. The victim, yeah. Now, just to talk a bit about the healing, because that's really what the book is about. And, and again, I don't want to give too much away, because there's lots of good stuff in the book in terms of how you healed and things that helped you. I think one of the hardest ones that people might, or the ones that people will find the hardest is the whole forgiveness thing. Can you talk a little bit about what, I think we get why that's important, but it's, it's easier said than done. You know, I, when I say the word forgiveness, and, and perhaps someone who's kind of early on in the healing journey, you know, they kind of cringe at that word, um, because what has happened to them is so painful that they mm -hmm. think, my goodness, surely I just cannot forgive. Well, I understand that. I, I've been in that place. I knew that it is something that Christ asked us to do again and again in mm -hmm. the Scriptures. But what I finally had to do was tell God, you know, I know that you asked me to forgive, and I want to do what you will, um, but Lord, you're going to have to help me with this, because I'm really struggling. Right. And, you know, of course, he steps in <laughs> and, and helps. And, yeah, forgiveness has been just you know, one of the most powerful things in my own healing journey and has really helped to bring some closure for me and, um, you know, make mm -hmm. me feel free again. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, how, how about, because again, there's like you have a chapter on adoration and the sacraments. And again, mm -hmm. some people might look at that and be, you know, yeah, you can pray yourself all you want, but unless you actually seek real help, like how right. do you balance those two? And I'm the, I, I'm not downplaying the power of the sacraments and adoration, but how did that help you in your journey? Yeah, I I do not downplay the need for uh, professional help either because it was it was a very uh, real part of my healing process and a very helpful part for many years. Um, after I stopped after I stopped going to therapy, um, 
I kind of discovered adoration and mm-hmm. kind of rediscovered the sacraments. I just feel like the taking part in the sacraments frequently has, um, you know, just propelled me all the more forward. So, you know, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not suggesting those things as a replacement right. of conventional uh, therapies or medication or whatever, but um, in addition to, they've been very helpful to me. Right. Your last chapter is titled, God Can Bring Good Out of a Bad Situation. And I think, yeah. again, we all sort of get that intellectually, but it's harder to feel in your gut. How, how You see that in your life? I do. I, I do. You know, there were years that I thought to myself, you know, I've been taught that God is a loving God and that He watches over His children, but, you know, there were times that I thought, okay, God, where were you? <laughs> where were you when this was happening yeah. to me? And only now, looking back in my own life, you know, can I see that He was He was with me, um, He kept, He kept me sane, He helped me to get the help that I needed, and as a teacher now, um, I've been able to help other children that this has happened to right. um, get the help they need kind of right. early on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know it's definitely fashioned my personality, and it's it's helped me to be more empathetic and to other people that this has happened to, and be aware of the signs to kind of watch for in other children. Right now, maybe just in closing, other than getting people to buy the book. How would you, mm-hmm. what would you advise someone who has a friend or a loved one who's dealing with the effects of, of childhood sexual abuse? What would you be the one, maybe the one advice that you would give them? Um, I, I would say you most definitely need support. So you need to find, um, you know, through your pastor, through maybe contacts at um, a child's school or, you know, internet, uh, I don't know. Find a support group, and, and yeah. you know, this is kind of like um, one of those subjects that people don't like to talk about, so it might be a little difficult to find other people who've been through the same thing, but, you know, statistics do show that it, it does happen to quite a few people and that we are, um, you know, we're kind of in good company. So the support and um, definitely... Um, prayer, yeah. asking God to help in that forgiveness process. And it is a process. It means forgiveness might not happen overnight, no. <laughs> but he will help you. Yes, and there is there is hope for healing, <laughs> yes. I guess. Anyway, Dana, that's all the time we have, but thank you so much for, for the courage to share your story and for putting it out as a book and for sharing it with us today. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. Dana Doyle is the author of Hope for Healing from the Effects of Childhood Sexual Abuse, The book is available through Amazon.com. Here now is Mike Maggione and the Union with Weather and Stone. Weather and Stone We reach for protection Weather and Stone Echo of rejection, weather and stone. Let your water heal you, make me lose 
my mind gonna make me wanna feel With and stone Every prophet needs protection With and stone The rock hollow by the water's direction With and stone My mind will make me tear the seam Cause I wanna be someone I wanna leave this town Dust on an open road I float above the ground Where the flowing waters bound And the singer's song Sound where my hang up start falling down with the cares I throw around. Fire and stone burn me in the trouble I know. Fire and stone Wind my flesh round the truth of the bone Fire and stone Purify the death I grow My mind make me run back home Cause I want love so Hear my name Beyond the city limit line Only words remain Someone else feels the same And the touch will cure the pain Lips that set my chest aflame To burn this heart shame But myself to blame For the weeds that choke the grain We'll surrender before the weather's end And with the rocket we'll reclaim With the end song That was Mike Mangione and The Union with Weather and Stone. Now, most of you have heard of Christopher West. He's been a Salt and Light Radio guest. And if not, surely you've heard of John Paul II's Theology of the Body. It's the wealth of the beauty of the Catholic Church's teaching on love, sex, and relationships. And it makes sense to have someone come and talk to you about Theology of the Body, but to have a band do a concert about Theology of the Body is a little unusual. But Theology of the Body is about beauty, and so it makes sense that we celebrate that beauty, that search for the fullness of beauty, with the beauty of music and art. And that's exactly what Fill These Hearts, God, Sex, and the Universal Longing is. 
an evening of beauty and reflection with Christopher West and a band, Mike Mangione, Mike, I keep saying that, Mike Mangione and the Union. And to tell us all about these evenings, I am now joined by Mike Mangione. Mike, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. It's a, uh, really an honor to be here. Thanks for uh, having I'm, me. I'm sorry I keep uh, butchering your name, Mangione. Um, you're not the first, that's for sure. You, well, hey, and with someone with my last name, anyway, um, I'm used to yeah. that. Um, so, so fill these hearts, God, sex, and a universal longing. Can, what is that? What, what are these evenings? Yeah, well, the, the evening, first and foremost, is a, a, a way to, de- to, to deliver the teaching of John Paul II, uh, the theology of the body. But the, the, the approach that we go for is um, more like a production rather than a lecture uh, or a series. Uh, it's it's a production, and that's how they call an evening. Uh, we say an evening of uh-huh. um, just to kind of set up an atmosphere of um, you, you know, uh, like I said, a production going going out to experience almost like a play, if you will. Okay. And what we've been doing is incorporating uh, uh, Christopher West is uh, the the speaker, and then uh, my band is is the band, and then we have other artistic elements that we include, such as dance, a visual uh, a video, art, yeah. um, as, there's, uh, as well as something called sand painting. We bring yeah. um, a live uh, uh, artist there to do that. Nice. And the idea is to create, to uh, over this, you know, the three-hour time period, uh, not only provide the lecture and, and the, the fruit of the teaching through Christopher's work, but also to allow uh, artistic uh examples that Christopher can uh, use as, as tools to express this visually and sonically, um, okay. just because, you know, the head can only take so much, but the heart has, has a way to to uh, move and experience things a little differently. So the art okay. tried to have uh, reached the heart and right. uh, the lecture is the head. So a, a full package, if you will, of head and heart so part, um, experience. So, so part of the, the reasoning, I guess, then, is to... To 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 speak in a way that is that is holistic. So so not just the idea, the theory, but also but also to make it entertaining. I guess because people will be moved. Music can move you in a way that words can't. Yeah, and I think entertaining is is kind of a byproduct of of it. But art 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 can it really is a resource. It's something that can teach through example of itself. And um, that's what we're aiming for is, um, you know, you can, you don't have to understand uh, brushstrokes or the relationship of colors uh, or even a historical time period to, to really be moved by a piece of art hanging in a museum. You can just be struck by its beauty. Yeah. And it can, inf- it, can inf- it taps into your experiences of where, where you're standing in that museum looking at that piece of art. Uh, it, it, it taps into your whole being, where you come from, where you are, what you know, what you experience, right. and it speaks to you in that place. And I think we're trying to use art um, in that way of of how it can speak uh, speak to individuals where they are in their in their seats at that time. Right. Um, and, and all the art uh, is is in some way uh, just um, in. Uh, Embedded and influenced influenced by the teachings of John Paul II, okay, yeah. so, not necessarily in your faith, right? But um, yeah, just kind of yeah, it just kind of rests. Uh, the art, all the artists involved have 
have in some way internalized this teaching and, and try, attempted to make it a part of their person. And so naturally, the art being a byproduct of, yeah. of who they are, um, it, it sings it as well. It sounds, so. like a, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. I mean, Christopher West is great to listen to, but I, I'm so intrigued by this, uh, being an artist myself and a musician. It, it's just, I'd much rather go to something like this than to just sit and listen to Christopher West talk for two hours. Not that that's not bad. Now, I, I don't want to, uh, I also want to talk to you a little bit about what you do, your music and the, the, this group, the union that you play with. Um, you have, correct me if I'm wrong, two, sorry, three albums? Um, we have three albums that, yeah, that we speak of. There, there are more, but <laughs> okay. we don't really... Uh, <laughs> well, you don't want to talk about, about those. But I'm intrigued right. by the titles, the, the offer, because you don't bill yourself as a, you know, like a ministry band or a Catholic or a Christian group, but you have a, 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 an album called The Offering and then Tenebrae. And I mean, if anybody knows anything about Catholic music, they know what Tenebrae is. So there's something very... Uh, I don't know, I was going to say Christian or churchy about those titles. So are you trying to say something with the titles or? or no, like, I, I mean, yeah, naturally, I think any, anything, anything you uh, uh, relate, you, you associate with your music, you, 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 as an artist, you try to have everything say something. Right. But um, I think our, our kind of ethos is, you know, we are Catholic, um, but we... Uh, we're also not going to try to do a bait and switch on people. Um, right. We're not going to try to fool uh, fool non-Catholics into you know believing certain things. We're, we're, our, our our whole mission really as a band is just to write music that comes from uh, who we are as individuals. We uh -huh. happen to be Catholic, so uh, and and play it wherever it wants to be, where it's heard, you know, where you know where people want to hear it, and that leads us uh, to all different you know, places and festivals and clubs. And it's really a beautiful thing. And, and it opens up a lot of great discussions we've discovered. Um, you know, our intention is not, like I said, not to, to bait and switch anybody or, or lead them into um, a serious theological discussion right there at the bar. Our intention is to play good music and connect to them as yeah, artists and audience. Yeah, and that's what, yeah. And I think that's, what you that's the be front doing. door yeah. to any any natural beautiful relationship absolutely. that's what we're really trying to do absolutely you you told me earlier that you're working on a new album and some of the actually the two two of the first songs that we heard are from that album that's coming up anything you want to tell us about this new album like its focus or when it's coming up uh yeah it's the we're really excited about it it's called um it's called the red-winged blackbird man and hmm. it's uh should be released this fall we recorded um, a couple months ago with uh, a great producer named Bo Ramsey, and Bo we did it did in Iowa City. Bo Ramsey's uh, he's known for he did um, was nominated for a Grammy with uh, Lucinda Williams, and he does Greg Brown and Pieta Brown and, and Joan Baez, and uh -huh. um, so he's just a great tr uh, uh, folk Americana uh, really? producer and artist, and so we were so happy to team up with him and. Yeah, so the album, it's 10 tracks and um, really just kind of rests in the themes of, um, of redemption and, and, and needing redemption. And, uh, you know, the, the image of the red-winged blackbird is kind of important um, for, uh, for, for, the, uh, for the, where the songs kind of come from artistically and dealing nice. with redemption. And nice. So, yeah, uh, no, yeah and the other thing. Yeah, that's Sorry. about all I can say about it. No, that's good. So it's good. It's an excuse to get you back on the show as as the album's going to come up. The, just in, the first two songs that we heard, Fields of Evermore and Weather and Stone, will be part of that compilation, right? 
Oh, of course, yeah. 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 Now, um, they're, they're, they're in there somewhere. <laughs> in there somewhere. Um, yeah. Now, you are also busy touring. I know you were in Bruno, Saskatchewan last night. Tonight, you're in Saskatoon mm -hmm. with Fill These Hearts with Christopher West. Um, that's, uh, if people are listening to the show at 3 p.m., they can, and you're in Saskatoon, you can still make it. Um, yeah. apologize for the people who are hearing the show after the concert. But if you're in the Toronto area, uh, Mike and the union will be at the Cameron house on May 16th. I hope to be there myself. So come and say hello. Mm -hmm. Montreal at the Monte Jeunesse, the youth summit, which is May 18th to the 19th. You guys are going to be there. And you're also there on the 20th in Montreal with Chris West at the freedom to love that's a different, uh, it's not the same Chris West event, eh? It's a different uh, talk that he's doing? A little more in-depth, a little longer. It's a full day. Um, it still involves some of the artistic elements and right. the band, but it's it's a little, just a kind of a more... Uh, we like to say Fill These Hearts is for people uh, who want to invite that one friend who might not oh, be comfortable nice. sitting through yeah. a full lecture. But, but uh, Freedom to Love is... Um, I like, you know, people already kind of know what they're getting into. It's great for people who've never heard it, uh, but, you know, it's hard to convince somebody to go through a day long. Yeah, um, I know. No, that's so a great idea. Like I said, I, pff, it's a great idea. So if you're in Montreal or you can get to Montreal uh, from May 18th to the 20th, there's all kinds of uh, stuff happening May 20th uh, with Christopher West, the Freedom to Love uh, event with Mike Mangione and the Union. Then also if you're in Wisconsin, Bailey's Harbor at Catholic Fest on July 14th. Oyster Ridge Music Festival in Wyoming, July 27th and 28th. And then you're back in Canada in Winnipeg at the Convention Center on August 4th. We're going to put all that info. No, we're not going to put that information. You're going to put that. That information is all on Mike's website, MikeMangione.com. And we're going to put that link on our site to help people get to your site quicklier. Mike? That'd be great. <laughs> There's actually one more. Uh, uh -huh. that just was added, uh, Thursday, May 17th. I think it's pronounced Kitchener by Oh, by yes, Toronto. Kitchener, yeah, absolutely. So May 17th, that's a new one. If you're in the Kitchener yeah, area, okay. That's actually at a church. That's St. Mary's of Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows. Okay, so. that's great. Yeah, Kitchener is just outside Toronto. So May 16th in Toronto, May 17th in Kitchener, May 18th, 19th, and 20th in Montreal. Um, that's good. You're keeping yourself busy, and hopefully we can catch you at one of those concerts while you're in this area. Mike, that's all the time we have. But it's been great meeting great. you and great listening to your music, and I'm glad to have one more artist in our Salt and Light roster of artists. Um, keep us posted in what's new and exciting and keep doing what you're doing because it sounds like it's good stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to meeting you. That was Mike Mangione. You can learn all about him and his band, The Union, at his website, mikemangione.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. You can also learn about the Fill These Hearts tour with Christopher West at fillthesehearts.org. Here now is Mike and The Union with their song, At Your Gate. Come out, come out, come meet me. I've been poisoned, I've been used. And now I'm standing at your gate And I am hanging on your gate And I'll be standing at your gate And in my days I ruled deception I was king, I had control But I deceived all those I hold And they flamed in the gold And now I'm standing 
I was lost in my intentions They were bleeding out your side While I was blinding out my eyes Yeah, yeah, yeah And when I left I had direction I have protection, I was free But they do not compromise Though they did not compromise And now I'm standing Listening to Mike Mangione and the Union with At Your Gate from their album Offering. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. Follow us on Twitter with our Twitter handle at Salt and Light TV. And we're also on Facebook. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. We cannot do our work without your support. So thank you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been the Salt and Light Radio Hour. Yes, I need to harmonize, and I'll be singing.